So today, I want to talk about three young men that are commonly known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In less educated circles, you may have heard it preached, my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. Hallelujah. Those that know, know. Hallelujah. Their actual names, though, uh, were Hananiah, Mishael. This was their Hebrew names. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Hananiah means Yah, or God, is gracious. Mishael means the one who is what Yah, or the one who is who God is. And Azariah means this, Yah, who has helped, or God, who has helped. Let me tell you what you find when you enter a crisis in your life. You're going to find that God is gracious. You're going to find that you are one with God, and you're going to find that God will help. Somebody say amen. Now, the names were changed from the Hebrew names to better choice names of the, the Babylonian area, which would be called the Chaldeans. Uh, their names were changed to more of a Chaldean or worldly name. Hananiah, which means Yah is gracious, was changed to Shadrach, meaning ruled by the moon god. Mishael, uh, the one who is as Yah is, was changed to Meshach, meaning the one who is who. Aku is, and Aku was an ancient Babylonian god. Azariah, meaning Yah or God will help, was changed to Abednego, meaning slave of the god Nergo, meaning every one of them were under another god. They placed these men under another god. And the setting is set in ancient Babylon during the Maccabean era from the mid to second centuries. You can read this all in the book of Daniel. In particular, we're going to take our text from Daniel chapter 3. The backstory is put this way. You have a king by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar who was a tyrant leader. He was a, he was a man in charge. He knew what he wanted. And um, he was the Babylonian king during that time. Uh, the Jews had been exiled and most were now living in Babylon and were under exile. And they, cho they chose the best of the best of the elite of the elite of the Jews to serve in the government of Nebuchadnezzar. And so one of those men would have been Daniel. Daniel's not a part of our story, but we get it from his writings about these three Hebrew boys. The other were, in fact, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, using now their Babylonian names. And so these men were great. They were, they, they were, men, they were men that had power and authority and spoke like no other men did, much like Daniel, who had the excellence and wisdom of God on his side. And so there was a lot of jealousy within the inner rankings of King Nebuchadnezzar where his satraps and his administrators and his counselors and his governors were all talking bad behind the backs of these three Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They did not like them. They were not a part of them. They were not a part of their ethnicity, were not a part of their culture or their world, and certainly they did not serve the other gods. These boys made it very clear they served only one god, not many gods, and they certainly didn't serve any god in Babylon whatsoever. You may exile us, but you're never going to get us to bow our knee. And so they said, well, we're going to get you to bow your knee because here's what we're going to do. We're going to make this uh, uh, something. We're going to get in the ear of the King Nebuchadnezzar, and we're going to make it a decree. And so they talked with King Nebuchadnezzar, who began to believe his own clout, his own press, and how great he was and how awesome he was. And, and they told him how awesome he was. They said, you know, there's no one like you. As a matter of fact, you're better than most of the gods we serve. Said, yes, of course I am. And so they made him, and they, they said, look, why don't we do something special for you in the kingdom that's never been done before? Why don't we erect a statue like all the other statues to other gods but we'll call this one your image. This will be made in your image, but we'll make it bigger than the rest out of gold, and we'll set up high so everybody in the city 
We'll be able to see this golden statue. Everybody will know for sure who in the world this king is, that he, in fact, is a god and should be worshipped. And then what we'll do is we'll get our psalmstress and, our, and we'll, get our, we'll get our musicians and we'll play music. And at certain parts of the day, we'll set a decree that all that hear the music play from the citadel, they will now turn towards that image of you and they will bow down, sir, in your honor and worship you as the god you are. He thought it good what they said. He decided to let them go ahead and do that. And here was the decree. If any man does not bow, we will create a furnace that will burn. And if they don't bow, they'll be thrown into that furnace, throwing threats out there and intimidation against those who will not bow the knee. And so they did it. They built the statue. They built the furnace and all was ready. And when the music played, everybody bowed their knees except for three people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They would not bow their knee. So those that were jealous, that were watching, you know, you got to recognize there are some people in your life that don't love you the way that God loves you. And they're not always happy about what happens between you and God. And they're the first one to try to get you in trouble behind your back. But just know God's got your back. God, if God be for you, who can be against you? Come on, somebody. And so, and so they, they, they would not bow their knee. And so the, 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 the satraps, the administrators, the counselors, and those that were in authority, the governors, went to the king and said, hey, everybody bow their knees but the Hebrew boys. And he knew who they were because they were wise beyond their years. He knew they were tapped into some supernatural force. And he said, bring them to me. How dare they not bow? And this is where our story takes off from Daniel chapter 3 and verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at that time, you, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, and the harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the image which I have made. He said, if you do it, good. Obviously, if you don't, bad. Isn't it interesting how people wish good things to happen to us just as long as we fall in line with what they think we should be doing? In other words, you can go to church. I don't have a problem with going to church, you know, but just don't be giving all your money over there. You can be a Christian. Just don't be shoving your religion down my throat. You can have an opinion. Just keep it to yourself. Come on, somebody. You can, you can have your man and have lots of pics. Come on, your new, new boyfriend. Just don't show us on Facebook. They want you to fall in line and bow to the life that they have erected for you. I'm here to tell you that Jesus taught us not to bow to darkness, never to bow to the devil, and never to bow to the world. And when Jesus was tempted in the, in the Bible says, in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, he did not eat and he did not drink any water. It was a supernatural uh, fast. There the Bible says that Satan came to him to what? Tempt him to see what he was really made of. And one of the temptation was this. The temptation was, listen, Jesus, you know, if you are who you are, no big deal. But let me just tell you something. If you will simply just what? Bow down and worship me. The devil's always trying to get us to bow down. If you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms that you can see. By the way, that was the promise of God that if Jesus went to the cross, he would be king of kings and lord of lords, have authority over the whole entire earth. And the Bible, the Bible talks about that God made him this. This was who he was. This was his purpose. And the devil was saying to him, look, if you just come on, ain't nobody looking. Nobody's even around. We're in the wilderness all by ourselves. Just bow your 
knee. Just bow your knee and you won't have to go to that cross. You won't have to suffer and die. You won't have to be rejected. You won't have to have your beard plucked out of your face. You won't have to have 39 stripes across your back. Just bow your knee and I'll give you everything you want. Church, the devil will always tempt you to bow Bow to the demands of public opinion. Bow to political pressure. He'll tempt you to bow to take a job for money rather than the will of God. You know how many people I see say, I'm going to get $3 more an hour, but then lose their soul? He'll tempt you to bow to sexual immorality. Well, you know, everybody else is doing it. Ain't no lightning bolt came out. Sin is sin is sin in the eyes of God. But my Bible tells me you're not to bow. My Bible says take a stand. And when you've done all to stand, stand therefore. Stand firm in the faith. And don't back down in the day of adversity. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Who's ready to make a stand? Come on. Let's go back to verse number 15. But if you do not worship, Nebuchadnezzar is putting it out there. If you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately, immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. In other words, if you don't toe the line, crisis is coming to you. Look, everybody used to love Jeff Pruitt. I was the man. Everybody wanted to be my best friend. I had five close friends, and they all thought I was their best friend. They weren't best friends with each other, but they were my best friends. Everybody loved me to the day I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And then I couldn't get nobody on the phone ever again. I'm here to tell you, I don't look back that one day in my life. My best friend is now the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful to him that he took my life and reshaped it and gave me new friends. Somebody say amen. Oh, if I could tell people, you know, if you follow Jesus, you know, if you follow Christ, your life will be on cruise. But it's a lie. The truth is, if you follow Christ, there'll come a time you will be in crisis. Not everybody's going to love you. Not everybody's going to sing your praise. Not everybody's going to think you're all that. There are going to be some people who are actually going to work against you. But you just know, haters are elevators. And if you want to go some. I'm talking about those people this morning. You're about to go up. You're about to go through. You're about to go in. Christ is coming in your crisis. Come on. Woo. I feel the Holy Ghost up in here. The devil didn't fight you when you were in the world. Why? He already had you. Why is he going to fight against his greatest general? You know who you were. You know how you used to sin, how you lived in darkness. You was a good sinner. You were good at it. Why would he fight you? You're a great recruiter for him. Now, he'll leave you alone. But the moment you give your life to Jesus, and my God, if you ever decide to join a church, if you ever decide you're going to get involved with other people of God, that's the day the devil will try to shut you down because he knows that there's unity, then there's power. If there's unity, then there's authority. And if you ever get together with your brother and sister, there's going to be power, power, wonder-working power. So he'll fight you. 
He'll try to cause a crisis so you never come back to the house of God, so you don't serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, I want to make this declaration. We are in a good fight. Matter of fact, the Bible says we're in the good. We are in the good. We're in the good fight of faith. Why is it good? Well, I don't know about you, but any fight I win, that's a good fight. And this fight, my Bible tells me at the end of it that we are the winners, we're the victorious one, we are the overcomers, and we are the champions. Touch your neighbor and say, this is not a time to bow down. Just tell them not a time to bow down. Not to the devil. Now back to verse 15. Y'all going to be preaching way too soon. I told the first service, I wish I had an organ over here, someone praying for me, praise God. We'd never get out of here today, praise the Lord. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar said, and who is the little G God, watch this, who is the God, look at, look at how he's talking here, who is the God who would deliver you from my hand? Yikes! Who talks like that? The boldness, the audacity of this man. You see, the devil don't care. He'll get right in your face. Shadrach, Meshach, and the bed to go answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, didn't even call him king. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is how you move a mountain. Faith is how you escape a burning hell. Faith is how you get out of a burning fiery furnace. Faith is how you erupt out of a crisis. They had no proof. They had no proof of anything, of a God who would help them. They had no decree. They had no authority. Yet they had the audacity to stand in the face of the devil, excuse me, the king, and say, today you will not take my life. My life is in the life of God's hands. And he will deliver me out of your hand, O oh God, O oh King. At some point, church, you're going to have to go public with what you believe, even when there seems to be no way out. May I remind you that God will make a way where there seems to be no way. May I remind you that if God before you, who can be against you? Can I tell two people that when your enemy comes up against you one way, God, your heavenly Father, will cause your enemies to flee before you seven Can I tell three more people that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him? I'm here to tell someone today that you can expect him when you can't explain him. You may not be able to explain how God's going to get you out of trouble. You may not explain when he's going to show up, but you sure enough can expect that if God has said he's going to come through for you, he's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. When the doctors say, sorry, we've done all we can do, you say, I can expect him to show up. When the landlord says, you got five days so I'll get you out of my house, you can expect him. If the IRS says, you owe another $1,000 on the $20,000 you already paid, I can expect him to show up. When they receive bad news and say, your loved one has lost their life, I can expect him to show up. I may not be able to explain him, but I can expect him. I, I, I remember I told the story before, but it bears repeating because it was a crisis. And I've had several of them. I've had more than several, but big ones. This is the first big money crisis. 
and we owed the bank $20,000 for some things, and, and, um, and uh, you know, it was, ties and offering were coming in quite right, you know, and all that. And so you're juggling. You're juggling. You're trying to make things happen. And finally, the bank said, we need to have a sit down. It's been months now. So we want to be honorable. It wasn't we want to be honorable. We just didn't have it. And so, um, and so we said, yeah, come on by. So we had to sit down my, upstairs. Terry Morehouse, who was my business administrator, was sitting with us, and we were talking to him, and niceties and all that stuff was going on, and, and uh, we were talking about the money that was owed, and we didn't dispute it. We knew it was owed, and we were giving him different opportunities of how we could take care of this, trying to be creative, trying to make it happen. And he was nice and shaking his head, yes, but at the end of the day, bottom line was, after all that conversation, they just wanted their money, and they wanted payment, and no one could be paid. And I knew, the, the, I knew in my gut something wasn't right. I didn't like being put in this position where I didn't have an answer. And, and, I, I, and I, I know what the word says. And I don't know what happened, guys. I don't know what happened. It was just the spirit of God rose up in me. How many of you ever had the spirit of God rise up in you and you said something that you couldn't believe came out of your mouth? And I stood up. I pushed my chair and I stood up and I looked at him and said, Sir, you'll have your $20,000 by Monday morning. He looked at me with a big old smile and said, great, why are we even having this conversation? And then I, we said goodbye nicely, and Terry Morris looked at me and said, where are we going to get the $20,000? I have no idea. Do you have any ideas? Nobody had any ideas. He said, that only could have been God. I said, God's going to do it. You watch and see. God's going to do it. And within about three days, God put $20,000 in my hand miraculously, and I could pay it. Come on. I can't always explain him, but I can always expect him. And when we were going through the revive, this building, repurchasing of the facilities, both this one and the big church that's in Beloit, and we were going through all that stuff and all the hell that we had to go through, and, and you, most of you walked through us with that, and it was amazing uh, how this all played out. But we didn't know. We didn't have answers. And when the guy talked to me that I had to talk to at the bank, and, and it was a bad situation, and we didn't know what we were going to do, and all that stuff was going on. And, and, I, and I, I told the man, he was telling me, he's, he was giving me the bad report. He was giving me the bad prognosis. He was telling me that the burning furnace is hot. You don't want to go in there. This is what he's telling me. Bow. Get under the pressure. And I don't know how. I just came, I was on the phone with him, and it came up out of my spirit. And I just started saying, look, I want to tell you something. I don't know if you're a believer or not. I'm not judging you, but I'm a man of God. You may not understand what that means. And I knew as he's going to look at me sideways. I knew it wasn't going to go over well. But I knew I had to inject God. I had to go public with my faith. I had to speak, even if I was going to be laughed at. I had to give God a way to move into my situation. And I said, I trust God. And I don't know what you believe, but I'm here to tell you, God's given me a word. These buildings are mine and there's no other way around it. Somehow, some way, they're going to be back in our hands. He started laughing. He said, well, pastor, I guess that's called faith. I said, yes, it is. He laughed. He said, well, let's start with, with stage one. And it took us a year and a half. But look what the Lord has done. And talk took a million bucks off of this building and renegotiated for another million off of that building. Come on, somebody. Who's ready to go public with what you believe? Verse 18, then the Hebrew boys said, but if not, if God won't deliver us, we believe that he will. But for some reason he does not. Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face began to change toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he spoke and commanded that the heat of the furnace 
uh, turned up seven times more than it usually was heated. In other words, seven times hotter. What does seven mean? It means completeness. It means wholeness. It means totally. In other words, the devil isn't out just to put a little affliction on you. He wants to destroy you utterly. He wants to take you down. He wants to take out your lineage. He wants to take out your heritage. He wants to wipe the memory of you of the face of the earth. But I'm here to tell you, God's got an ulterior plan here. And there is a Christ in the crisis. In other words, how hot does hot have to be to kill you? One time over 140 degrees will kill you. This was seven times hotter than that. That's at cremation level. It was to completely and utterly destroy them to nothing but ashes. But look what verse 20 says. And he commanded, talking about Nebuchadnezzar, that certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind. I need somebody to open their ears today. I'm talking about revelation now. To bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and then cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then those, these men, watch this, they were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and in their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Church, I don't know how else to say this except to say we, talking about Christians now, we have a tendency to judge people by our standards of holiness that we don't even live ourselves. Am I talking to two or three people here today? I'm about to prophesy something. These men who God's hand was on were bound. And then they were thrown away. How many times has we have we trying to put ourselves in a position of God to judge somebody else and we see somebody who's overtaken in a situation and they're bound by it and then throw them away as if, well, they're not real Christians anyways and they really don't serve God and they've never been obedient to nobody anyway. So why do we even care? But I'm here to prophesy this morning and say that there is a generation of men and women who God is about to use in a mighty way that have been bound and thrown away. But the reason why they're bound and thrown away is not because God was judging them, but because the enemy is afraid of their voices. I wish I could get somebody in this house to understand what I'm trying to say. I'm telling you the devil will try to bind people up with drugs and alcohol, sexual addiction to get them to shut their mouth because he knows it's an attempt to silence them because he knows these people got a big mouth for God and if they ever got free, they ain't afraid to talk to authority. They're not afraid to tell it like it is. They're not afraid to put their life on the line. And God is finding these people in the fire. Look at Isaiah 48, 10 says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. It's in the furnace of affliction that we're refined. It's in the furnace of affliction that we find out who we really are. It's in the furnace of affliction we find out who he really is. It's in the furnace of affliction that we are developed and changed. It's in the furnace of affliction that we are forged through obedience to reign over our troubles, our circumstances, and even over our adversaries. And the truth is, unless you're willing to go through the process, you can't go to the promotion. 
And I have a hard time finding Christians that are willing to walk through whatever they got to walk through to get to the promotion that God has intended for them. Verse number 22. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, y'all better catch this, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Don't worry about your enemies. Don't worry about those who are trying to throw you away. Don't worry about those who want to push you off the cliff. Those who don't care about you. Those who want to see you crash and burn. Those who want you to see you continue to be bound. Don't worry about them. Don't try to take your vengeance on them and try to out them on Facebook and everything else. And you looking no more ugly than they look. I'm preaching better than you want to shout right now. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And the same gallows that Haman built to have Mordecai hung on didn't turn out that way. Mordecai was set free. God gave him a voice. He was promoted. And Haman, the man who built the gallows, hung. He was the first one to hang on his own gallows. The Bible says those who dig a pit for the righteous to fall into will be the first ones to fall into their own pit. Verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, watch this, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Are we going to judge them because they fell? Because they fell by the things that had them bound? Verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men into the midst of the fire? Excuse me here. They answered and said to, to the king, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not. And they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like unto the Son of God. I'm here to tell you what the devil meant for evil to stir up a crisis in your life is right where Christ shows up in the midst of your crisis. Come on. Church, they may have went down bound, but they came up free. I want to let you know that it may have looked like it was over. Looked like God didn't care. Looked like you, he was nowhere to be found. Looked like everybody was loved except for you. Looked like he abandoned you and publicly shamed you. But I'm here to tell you that he is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. And his very name is Jehovah Shammah, which means I am there. Christ is in your crisis. And the only thing that's getting burned are the very things that have you bound. If it's getting turned up on you, it's because God's bringing exposure and things in your life that you don't maybe want exposed, but the fact that you're walking through it, God's going to honor you, and the things that got you bound are going to burn off of you once and for all, but you are going to walk with Jesus in the midst of fire. And if he walks you in, he can walk you out. Come on, somebody. Psalms 139, 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. 
If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. In other words, he's not afraid of dark places. He walks in the midst of them. He speaks to them, and light becomes reality. Come on, somebody. Church, there is a dynamic in the demonic. And there is a deliverer in your dilemma. And there is a Christ in your crisis. I want the musicians to come quickly. We're going to pray. The Spirit of the Lord's in this place. I want to share something with you. Abraham was in the crisis of his life. And he had a son that was promised to him for 17 years. God gave him a promise in his old age that he and his wife, both old, would bear a son but they walked around for 17 years with no promise being fulfilled. It's not over, church. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what you think. You get your faith back where it's supposed to be again. If God gave you a promise, it's going to happen, but you've got to be willing to walk through the process. And Abraham was given a promise, and he was told that he would become a father of a multitude, father of nations. Matter of fact, his name was Abram, and God changed his name to Abraham. Now, for all these years, he's got to walk around almost two decades. He has to walk around telling people he's a father of a multitude, the father of a nation, and he had no children, not one. But he had to go public with what he believed, no matter if it looked like he was an idiot. i got to say what God gave me. I don't care what it looks like. He gave me a promise. So he tells everybody, one day she becomes pregnant, and Isaac becomes, is born, and he begins to get older, and He's been on many different times where he's went with his father and worshiped the Lord with a sacrifice. And so when Abraham got up one day and said, boy, let's go. It's time to do our worship. It's time to go to Mount Moriah and worship God. It was just like something he did many times with his father. But he didn't know that God in the middle of the night had spoke to Abraham and said, I want you to take your son, Abraham, your only son. Does that sound familiar to you? You take him upon that mountain and there I want you to sacrifice him. Of course, it was a type and a shadow, a prophetic picture of Father God releasing his son, his only son to the world to become a sacrifice. We see nowhere in the scripture where Abraham rebuts him. Doesn't say, doesn't complain, doesn't argue, obeys him. He takes the wood, he takes the fire, he takes his knife for the sacrifice and they go almost all the way to the mountain with his, the people that were with him, his servants. And he said, look, you guys stay here. This is going to be between me and my son. You stay here, but I and the lad will return after worshiping God. There's something in his spirit that said, God's going to come through for me. I don't know how. I don't know how, but he's going to come through for me. This is the promise after all. This is my promise. But he takes his promise, his son, and obeys God and goes into the mountain. And there he knows he will sacrifice him. He gets to the place where they're going to sacrifice. And his son says, Dad, we have the fire, we have the wood, and we have the knife. Where's the sacrifice? Son, do you trust me? Yeah, always, Dad. Then get on that rock. Sure. He gets on the rock. Dad, where's the sacrifice? Son, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Yes, Dad, I do. He takes and begins to bind him to the altar. Dad, but where is the sacrifice? Son, do you trust me? 
can you expect from me even though you can't explain what's going on? Yes, Dad. God will provide. And that was the day that God spoke in his name, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord shall provide or his provision shall be seen. And he's there and he now pulls that knife out. He's about to plunge it into his son. And the angel of the Lord stops his hand. But the Bible says that Abraham called him Lord. Many times in scripture, we'll see the interchanging, not all the time, but many times where there's the angel of the Lord and other times they call him Lord or it's a type of Jesus appearing as a theophany in the Old Testament because Jesus has always been. He was with the Father from the foundation of the world. Always. And Jesus, I believe, showed up and said, he's seen your sacrifice, Abraham, and one day I'll be the sacrifice. I will take that punishment for all, but for now, he's provided for you a ram. In the midst of his ultimate crisis, Christ shows up and says, you've done what you could. You've been obedient. Now, here's the blessing. Here's the reward. Here is the promotion. What happened to those three Hebrew boys? As soon as he, they saw that fourth one, they walked him out, them throw those boys out, and he was elated in Nebuchadnezzar. Instead of bowing to them, bowing to him, he bows to the three men and says, My God, there's something about you I did not know. And the Bible says he took them and promoted them before everyone else in all the land of Babylon. God's getting ready to promote you. And he's with you. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know what you've been through. But I know some of you have been through some stuff and some painful things that you may not tell me. You may not trust me enough. I trust the person next to you enough. But you're going through some stuff. And you're confused. And you're hurt. And you're thinking, God, why are you helping everybody else and not me? And I will tell you, I've been there. I felt the same pain. I wonder why God wasn't helping me. I wonder why God was seemingly blessed everyone else and me. Why are you hurting me? What did I do? I've been there. But some of you are there right now. And this message reminder to you, he's there. He's trying to get you through this process so he can bring you to that promise of promotion in your life.